20, I'm in case emergency. Ain't no cap in my rock. Really, I know it's the truck. More profit mean extra. Emma White out full of pressure. That cereal milk smoking right. But that Obama right, so special. Kansas City, I'm a chief. Shout out to K5 on this one. Country thinking I was hushing. I always had it on me. Booming like OJ the Juice. Till a nigga told on me. Run down this relentless. Ain't no love, we ain't friendly. If she want me on him. No the law, she get the business. No the law, still the model. Empire. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome into the Birds of a Feather podcast. It's another episode with your boy Q City. We're going to look at last week's past four games. We're going to look ahead to next week. We're going to do a betting breakdown and give me props. And then we're going to do a little city talk at the end. So let's go ahead and get into it. So last week, we went 2-2. Two and two. And if you remember me saying it should have been a 4-0 week, I didn't expect the Wizards to actually be this good. But even beforehand, I, I knew Bradley Beal was going to be a handful to deal with. And so I was like, okay, a three and one type week. We went two and two. Um, one game I felt we shouldn't have lost, we did. But overall, I was I was positive with some of the things we saw this week. And there and there were some negatives, you know, some things we can always get better on. Let's go ahead and look into it. So first game, loss to the Cavs. Coming off that big win against the Mavericks, I thought we were going to carry that momentum in. Darius Garland wasn't playing this game, and so I was like, okay, we we have a definite advantage in the backcourt. Reddish disappeared. He he was not there this game, and that's been kind of indicative. He's been up and down. Uh, We'll get a little more into that a little later. Ricky Rubio had a game, and they went and attacked Trey Young over and over again to great to great success. Mobley is going to be special. He is a force defensively. He reminds me a lot of a young Chris Bosh. One of the things that I took away from this game was that we were 29% from three. And under 30% from three has shown that it's going to be a problem for us. It's a bit of a trend. But the fact that we were 29% from three and they were 25% and we still lost just shows that they were they were killing us. One of the things that was big for us was we were 60% from the line and we only had, I think it was 16 attempts. They were 74% from the line, but they had 27 attempts from the line. They were living in the paint. They were living in the paint. And that's how you win when you shoot 25% from three. You live in the paint. Yeah, threes are more than twos, but hell, if you can get a lot of twos, you're going to win that game. I didn't I didn't have a huge problem with our defensive game plan because it was kind of like make the rookie beat us. But we had 54 points in the paint. They had 65. Overall, I was I was really disappointed with this game. I felt like this was an easy win and one we let slide. Next, we go to the Pistons. Now, I'm going to give uh, just a little backstory right here. The year I really got big into following basketball was the year that the Pistons beat the Lakers. And so, like, I love the Hawks. And I also, like, love watching the Pistons just to, you know, get to know a little bit more about them as well. 
whenever the Hawks play the Pistons, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is a measuring stick for how we are. No matter how bad the Pistons are, the Hawks destroyed the Pistons like they should have. There was no Kay Cunningham on that floor. And like watching the Pistons, the Pistons are probably the worst team in the NBA. I thought it was OKC. Might be the Pistons. Uh, Trey Young had 32 points and nine assists. This is what you're supposed to do. We're 39% from three, 85% from the line, 21 attempts from the line, and had 60, almost 60 points in the paint. This is what you need. When you face the bad teams, you beat them down. I, w- I was very happy with this game. I thought that we attacked them in the way that we were supposed to. All our threes came from manufactured offense. There was very little bullshitting around, for lack of better terms. It was getting into the offense, getting picks, getting screens, getting rolls. Herter had so many open looks this game. He didn't knock them all down, but I was very happy with how they structured the offense for him to get going. The next game was a Pelicans win that probably shouldn't have been this close, but it was. There was there was no Zion, but Brandon Ingram had some crazy shots. If you watch this game, uh, the first eight points, he scored six of them, and all six of them were the most ridiculous shots I think I've ever seen. And the basketball gods owed us that miss from him at the end because some of the shots he was making, like DeAndre Hunter was all in his grill. Brandon Ingram is he's a really nice small forward and the yeah, all-star level player. DeAndre Hunter was playing lockdown defense and th- that has been indicative of him actually this whole run through this week. He is on fire defensively. I think he's averaging around 14 points. So, you know, the offensive game is going to come around. He's knocking down timely threes, but his defense is is on point. Uh, Trey Young had 31 points, five assists, seven rebounds, uh, just another huge game back to back. And it's really indicative that you're seeing when Trey Young is playing big and has huge points. We're, we're winning. We're winning. He's 30 plus points. We're winning. Cam Reddish had five points this game. And the thing about it is he's having these microwaves of really big games. In, in terms of like coming off the bench, really big games and really low games. Like I said in the first pod, the first Hawks pod, he's a microwave scorer. And you got to live with the fact when they're a microwave scorer that they might give you 30 points off the bench and they might give you three. And it's very hard to reconcile when to put him in, when to give him that green light, because on those five points, he shot 16%. I love Cam Reddish. He's he's doing what he needs to do, but we've got to get him to a consistent point. I think you would take 16 to 18 points off the bench if you were getting it consistently because that he's averaging around 15. Uh, we shot 26% from three. That's the only reason this game was really close. Trey showed up big at the end of the game. We shot a really high percentage from the field, a really high percentage from the line, 82%. But we only we did it on only 17 attempts. If you go back a game, we had 21 attempts. We are living in the paint as an offense. It is it is pretty evident that we want to play inside out. It's just very. It's almost like they were letting like tackle football happen uh, 
in that Pelicans game. There were no fouls. But to be fair, they caught it consistently at both ends. And that's what kind of su summed up that last possession for the Pelicans. So overall, I was very happy with the win and okay with how that game was played. Then you got tonight. This loss to the Wizards. Trey was dishing him out. He was dishing the assist, but his shot just wasn't there. 15 points, 13 assists. Cam Reddish had 20 points. And once again, like I said, we need more consistency from John Collins. 28 points, 12 rebounds. He was a monster tonight. Really kept us in the game. But defensively, he was a sieve. Like, he was just allowing everything to happen. Gorgie Dang is terrible. He's terrible. He has to get off the he has to get off the floor. He has to. He he is just allowing any and everything at the rim. He is not a rim protector in any way, shape, or form. And neither is Gallinari. Gallinari looked really big last year. He slimmed down a bit, but he he doesn't attack and he doesn't defend anything at the rim. The former Lakers front court had 67 points. Caldwell Pope. Kuzma and Montrez Harrell had 67 points on almost 80% shooting tonight. They absolutely destroyed us. Uh, Bradley Bill had 27 points, but like him and Trey are supposed to cancel out each other. Bradley doesn't generate too many assists. And so overall with the point totals, they did. They about canceled out each other. They were 64% uh, from the line. On four, we were 64% from the line on 14 attempts. Anything under 17 is showing as a loss for us. 14 attempts in this game, 15 in the Cavs game. So 17 seems to be the magic number. And even with 14, 14 attempts, if we're only knocking out 64 of them, 64% of them, which is about nine attempts, like we're not going to get that. The line is free breeze. You got you to gotta get those. So, yes, I'm a little bugged about tonight but we're gonna look forward to next week and you know make sure everything comes out right my overall thoughts for the week i really hated dropping that one in cleveland but two and two you can't be too mad we're not a 500 team and we're not going to carry ourselves as a 500 team the wizards seem like they're going to be legit and for real this year they've got a bit of depth they move re hachimura to the bench and so this team's legit, and they're going to be a problem in the division. We got the Heat in the division, too, So, and Charlotte's got LaMelo. I think this is going to be a pretty tough division this year, which still shouldn't be a challenge for the Hawks. Like I said, I'm staying consistent on it. I view them as a 50-win team. If you got in at 42, it is currently at 43 and a half right now, which really means like 44. You expect them to win 44 games. And... I still think the Hawks will surpass that. They are showing a commitment to defense, and they're playing inside out. I love the way they're playing. I love how the offense is looking, and sometimes shots just don't fall. It's a make-or-miss league. Um, tonight, I don't feel like we were overly in it. That second-quarter run kind of kind of blew us out of the water. Other than that, we stayed pretty close. You know, um, lost by 11, but... Beating the Pistons as bad as we did was good. And then showing that we could win close games like we did against the Pelicans was good. So this week could be better. Could have been worse. It was definition of a meh week being a 500. But let's go ahead and look forward to next week.
All right, so next week, our first game on Saturday, we got the 76ers. We're going on the road up there. As you can, as you probably know, being an NBA fan, Ben Simmons isn't playing. Trey Young single-handedly ruined that organization last postseason, and I am here for it. Embiid's going to be a problem. We haven't found a way to stop him. We're not going to stop him. Our front court is pretty thin. Okongwu did, yeah, said his name right. Okongwu did a great job last postseason playing him. And honestly, Jang and Gallinari are going to get eaten up. John Collins, he had that amazing dunk on him last postseason. But if you really look at it, Embiid got whatever he wanted. Seth Curry is just dangerous from three. They play inside out as much as we do, but they've got a legit paint protector. So we're going to be heavily reliant on three ball like we were all postseason last year uh, while we were playing them. I think this will be a good matchup for us during the week, a good barometer of one of the top teams in the East. And it should help us see, you know, where we're at and if we're going to accomplish the goals that we set this year. Next, we got a Wizards rematch on Monday. Hopefully, it's not a replay of this game. Okongwu should be back by then. And hopefully, that would help slow down the front court a bit more because tonight was just ridiculous. Wednesday, that's the big one. We got the Nets. Now, Jalen Rose said in front of the Pelicans broadcast that the Hawks were one of the teams that he considered better than the Nets. Of course, we don't have a player better than Kevin Durant. And to be honest, even though he's struggling, I don't feel like we have a player better than James Harden. But overall, as a team, with our depth, our defensive intensity, and how we play, I think we should beat the Nets. All three times we play them this year, to be honest, this team does not match up well against us. And you saw it last year. We played them close all three times last year. I actually look for us to beat them, and if we're looking at the best that week, I, I would take Atlanta and whatever the over on points is because you're sure Brooklyn's going to score. Then finally, we got the Jazz, Mitchell and Conley coming here. Uh, it's a West team, you know, one-on-one -one type thing. I love seeing Mitchell. I love how he plays. Uh, he's got ferocity, intensity. I expect he is going to be who DeAndre Hunter draws defensively. And the one thing I have really seen in all four of these games, Trey has stepped up his intensity on defense. And there was one point where Nate McMillan talked about the fact that he's quick enough to stay in front of guards, stay in front of drives. So there's no reason for him to be getting beat how he gets beat. And he took that personally. He took it to heart. I've seen him step up and really try to get in front of people. Now, he's small. You know what I'm saying? He's he's not going to, you know, go up and block nobody at the rim. But he's doing what he needs to do. And he's allowing, he's providing a body and enough timing and space for Capella and Collins and Hunter to get over there and block or contest a shot if necessary. And now for my favorite portion, the betting portion, give me props. Like I said, I bet on the Sharp app. 
If you're looking to make prop bets, make bets on games, it is probably one of the best apps to do. It's the one I use and, you know, put a little cheese on the game, have some fun, make a little money. So last week I went three and one on my football picks. I gave those out on the previous podcast, obviously. And then this week I went three and three on my basketball picks. I give those out before every game on Twitter. Follow me, QCity11. I haven't checked uh, my picks for this Washington game yet. That's why I gave the three and three. So now I'm about to give my props out for the football game on Sunday versus the Carolina Panthers. You can follow me at QCity11 on Twitter and on Instagram. It's the same thing. So let's get into it. First thing, Sam Darnold over or under 0.5 picks. When you get that 0.5, that just means like one, basically. Do you think he's not going to throw a pick or do you think he is going to throw a pick? I chose the over. He is reckless with the football. They're on a four-game losing streak. I see him at least giving one up. So I picked the over on .5 picks. Last week, I got burned on this. But I'm going back into this well. I got Ridley over 73 and a half receiving yards. I know, I know it sounds crazy, but their number nine overall pick out of South Carolina, he's done for the year. And then Gilmore, still on the IR. If there's a game that Ridley's going to bounce back, I don't think he was in football shape last week. And Matt Ryan is apparently overrated. So, underrated, I mean. So... He's going he's gonna to get this ball to Ridley. I see it. I see it happening. I'm going to over. DJ Moore to score a touchdown. Yes. I definitely see DJ Moore getting at least one touchdown, especially with A.J. Terrell being questionable. And if he does play, his neck is injured. So I see DJ Moore getting into the end zone at least once. And then the last one, Kyle Pitts over or under four and a half receptions. I got him for the over. He's gonna catch at least five balls. So those are my four pit those are my four picks for this week. Just to go over them again. Darnold over on 0.5 picks. Ridley over on the 73 and a half receiving yards. DJ Moore to score a touchdown. And Kyle Pitts over four and a half receptions. I didn't choose a winner in this game because. I feel the Falcons are going to win, and the line isn't too favorable for me. All right, y'all. Now on to some city talk. If you message me on Instagram at QCity11 or tweet at me, QCity11 on Twitter, you know, I take some of those questions and topics, read them out loud on the show, or just use them to take this time to delve a little deeper into them. The first one. Trey is a superstar under 24. If you were watching the Pelicans game like I was, you saw them put up a graphic. It was Trey, Ja, Zion, LaMelo, and Luka. All players, all under 24, very differing styles in game, but are considered the future of the league. If you look at that list, Three of those players have been in the playoffs, and only one of them has been past the second round. That's Trey Young. Trey Young is a bona fide superstar in this game right now. With being a superstar comes the expectation that you're going to show up every night. When you have a bad game, it's a lead and talked about. I honestly believe he was built for this pressure. I 
When you watch how he plays, he doesn't play with any fear. He doesn't play with any apprehension. Most, Even when his shot isn't falling, he definitely impacts the game. When I was watching him play against the Pelicans, you just knew he was taking that last shot. And if he wasn't taking the last shot, he was making the play on that last shot. Trey Young is exactly what we need. And with him taking this onus on the defensive end, I think we're going to be very happy about what he turns into and who he is. But I think it speaks to a deeper issue about Atlanta basketball. As long as I've been following Atlanta ball, we haven't had a true superstar. Let, let, let me spound a little deeper on that. We made the playoffs 11 consecutive years. Our best year was 2015. We had our starting five was almost all all-stars. Damari Carroll, they just they couldn't find a way to put him in. But at one point in time, we won 17 games in a row. It was an amazing win streak. Kyle Corver was shooting the lights out the ball. Jeff Teague was, you know, playing crazy. Al Horford was the model of consistency, and Paul Millsap was doing the dirty work. Paul Millsap is a six-time All-Star. Al Horford, I think, is either, you know, nine or ten. He's up there, you know, Hall of Famer. Jeff Teague and Kyle Corver, both one-time All-Stars that year. There is no reasonable way, if you're not a Hawks fan, for you to know that. For you to know that about those players. We never had that superstar type player. We never had that guy, that face of the league type, you know, marquee game type thing. We had a game on ESPN on a Wednesday night. That almost never happens. And then we've got a TNT game. In a couple weeks, we're getting national brand, national recognition because we have a true marketable superstar. And though it may not be as successful as what I consider the Al Horford years because, you know, we started consistently making the playoffs when he got there. Although it may not be as consistently winning as the Al Horford years, I consider these far more marketable years, far more prestigious years for the Atlanta brand if at some point in time we can become a free agent destination we have championship aspirations and <laughs> hell that's because of a scruffy haired 6-1 light skin dude man Trey Young is truly a superstar and he's exactly what Atlanta needs so a message from Daniel on Instagram Okongwu he spelled it out isn't a rookie. I see him on this team. Jang is terrible. What do you mean where he'll get his minutes from? LOL. Okay, so I stated that he was the sixth picks six pick in last year's draft for one. Two, I was solely, solely overestimated Jang's abilities. This man is terrible. I will eat that. I will own that. A lot of people won't say when they're wrong. I feel saying when you're wrong increases your credibility because you can admit that with new information, that ain't it. Bro, Jang is not it. He cannot defend the paint at all. Okongwu can. He had great moments in the playoffs and he was injured a bit last year, fell out of the rotation, and I think he only played about 52 to 55 games. 
he can get in and truly make a difference on this team. Gallinari looks old, looks really old, and he can knock down a shot, but he is not stopping anyone in the paint. And this team is solely based on defense. And I love that it's based on defense. It's defensive oriented, and then you got a star who's going to make down and knock down shots. That's what we need to do. I don't understand the mindset of putting guys on the floor for the sake of putting them on the floor. And so as soon as Okongwu is healed up, I think Jang falls out the rotation. Gallinari, just because of his shot-making ability, is going to stay on the floor. And then you can't take Hunter off the floor. And Reddish has truly solidified himself as a six-man. Our backup point position, which admittedly I was a bit worried about, looks to be in good hands. So we're going to move forward with this team. Like I said, still considering them a 51 team, but I, I was wrong. I was wrong. Okongwu, we need you. Come on back, bro. And then this last one. This last one I got from a Hawks Facebook group. It was talking about views on college basketball. It, honestly, it was talking about Ant-Man coming from University of Georgia and how UGA has always had an amazing football team and just can't really seem to get it together in basketball, even though they had the number one overall pick. I have a varying amount of views on college basketball. My first is I feel like baseball has it right in terms of how to move guys from high school to pro. So if you're not familiar with college baseball, in college baseball, you can either come right out of high school, but if you go to college, you got to stay three years. Football, you have to be three years removed from your high school class. Like there's there's no way around it. And in the NBA, you got to be one year removed. That's where you get the one and done thing. I feel like one and done's has severely, severely crippled college basketball. I also feel like the popularity of NBA players increases when they stay in college. Prime example, look at somebody like Davion Mitchell. He won the national championship last year and has what I consider one of the best nicknames in basketball, Off Night. But the fact that we know that, know that story and know that nickname, he played four years in college. And the fact that he played all those years in college helped people have a following about him, helped people get to know him. Steph Curry played three years in college. Michael Jordan, Larry Bird, Patrick Ewing, all those guys solidified their brands in college basketball. And I feel like having this whole one and done type mentality where guys come in are part of the college experience for five to nine months and immediately get the hell on. I don't feel like it endears any fans to the college game. And so since it doesn't endear you to the college game, you're basically meeting these guys for the first time as pros and they suck. And and rightfully so. They should suck. Like no 19 year old is usually going to come into the league and just dominate. Like LeBron came into the league at what was it? 18. And yeah, he had great stats. Amazing stats. Missed the playoffs. I think he won like. 36 37 games like he wasn't all that coming in as a rookie Kobe didn't play as a rookie he was 18 years old Kevin Garnett Timberwolves were trash 
You know, most guys, you, you can't go from dominating high school gyms to dominating in the league. It rarely happens. And even guys who go one and done, like Carmelo. Carmelo won. He won the national championship, and then he came in, and he was turning around the Nuggets. But they had veteran pieces around him. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's it's very, very rare, very seldom that a guy comes in at 18, 19 years old and completely changes the trajectory of a franchise. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, they they were doing just amazing stuff their rookie year, but the team around them was stacked with veterans. I think that having a true college experience and having guys stay two or three years not only is good for the college basketball brand, which I feel is completely dying and out of touch, out of order with, you know, like what's what's going on in the sporting world. But I also believe it'll help the NBA. It'll help the NBA with marketing. It'll help the NBA with amount of people and teams coming in. I feel at some point the NBA will expand. I'll probably save that for a topic for another day. But with the NBA expansion, you're gonna need people. You're gonna need kids, young men, in those cities, in those towns with established brands. I definitely feel with the NIL deal that should keep kids in college, especially kids who ain't ready to go to the league. Overall, I consider college basketball too used to be one of the greatest things about collegiate sports. And hopefully at some point in time, we get back to it. Those big brands, Duke, Kentucky, uh, Baylor's becoming one, Gonzaga, they're fun to watch. Most of the games are system-based and might be low scoring, but you get to see really creative offenses, players that maybe aren't as talented or skilled, but have tons of passion. College basketball is amazing, and hopefully we can get to a point to where it's big again. And for that to happen, kids got to stay, plain and simple. All right, well, I'll go ahead and wrap this up. Like I said, this has been your boy Q-City, another episode of the Birds of a Feather podcast. We're going to go ahead and clear it out. Hit me up, Q-City11 on Instagram and Twitter. Catch you guys. Let's go Hawks. See you on Tuesday. Looking like I hit the lotto. I wanna hide it like mulatto. I'm on hand, she on Moscato. I'm in them good till tomorrow. I'm a robber for the narrows. Your little logs, I'ma put you on payroll. You smell that aroma? Design it, yeah, it's a party, yeah. Papa Corona? She moving the body, she working them heels. Gotta go get him and tell him. Gross it bad, full of celery. On the believe had what she telling me. Keep a 20 on me, case emergency. I wake up early every morning. Thank the Lord and get the band. Hustle hard, get the cash. That first, then I'll show him my ass. Gotta go get him and tell him. Gross it bad, full of celery. On the believe had what she telling me. Keep a 20 on me, case emergency. My babies, that's who I grind for. That's who I do it for. Like the Navy. That's who I'm toting that iron for Keep one in the head like a thought, nigga Yeah, I fuck with Ty, he a boss, nigga Put on that neck, I exhaust, nigga Niggas cross me, so I cross, nigga Them scripts was lit last night 500, what it cost, nigga Shit was really legit last night Had them hoes at the house, nigga Instagram, Snapchat, Trilla What they say about Jay, he a Tokyo
ghetto. Used to have them fat sacks in the grove, nigga. Late nights, early morning, my dough, nigga. You smell that aroma? Design the air, it's a party, yo. Papa Corona? She moving the body, she working them heels. Gotta go get him mentality. Grocery bag full of celery. Only believe how what you telling me. Keep a 20 